welcome to In Search of the Crystal Skull, an epic adventure into mediocrity. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And today we are going to be talking about The Rocketeer. It is a 90s Disney movie which uh, didn't get all the praise, Which uh, to which I say, um, why is that the case? Uh, well, I think you, know, that, um, you and I are going to go through this uh, rocketing adventure and uh, seeing what we can find of it. So... Uh... Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, so the story goes that uh, there is uh, a pilot who uh, basically is uh, in the midst of testing his new uh, plane for the Nationals, so they have like this uh, flying competition, uh, but uh, unknown to them that a bunch of gangsters have uh, stolen a bunch of uh, top military uh, secrets and are currently uh, racing through uh, to avoid evade the police, and uh, they end up in their airline field. Uh, unfortunately for for them, uh, the uh, pilot get the pilot. So the air, the aircraft gets destroyed in all the shenanigans, and uh, then they the uh, bad guys actually stash uh, the. Uh, the well, what is the state secret is going to be inside the hangar, and uh, only for the uh, their pilots and uh, for uh, all our uh, characters to discover the actual fact that the secret uh, thing that they stole it was actually a rocket pack. And uh, mm -hmm. so they go through uh, like all this hilarity, like testing it out, and uh, then um, they're in the conundrum of like not being able to uh, obviously repair the rocket. So sorry to repair the aircraft, I do believe. So instead, they decide to come up with the idea of uh, using the rocket to uh, rocket pack to use in their in their upcoming uh, national show to obviously make some money and uh, to also try and uh, recuperate the uh, the money back for the the damaged plane. So, uh, but uh, little did they know that uh, they're about to uh, in entail themselves in uh, international um, you know uh, uh, politics and, uh, yeah. and 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 a, and a potential war as well so uh, yes uh, exactly <laughs> yeah so um you know in regards to uh this movie i mean like uh, it's uh, i mean i don't want it has that disney feel I think as well, and uh, I was actually like, you know, just kind of like re replaying it off uh, through my mind because we actually watched this like, uh, you know, a few weeks back, and uh, I don't know I, I, the way that they animate the rocket and the way that they kind of like go all about that. Like, you can feel like there was like an attempt, I think, to obviously say, you know, um, this is like uh, it almost feels like an early like prototype of like what like all the Marvel movies were going to be. Basically, well, when, you, when you think about actually, it. Actually, uh, that's a good uh, segue because, as you guys know, who the director of The Rocketeer was, it is Joe Johnson. And if you guys know uh, Joe Johnson's work, he's been known for he he's kind of, he's kind of like um, uh, Robert Zemeckis in a way, in which he's very well known for doing a lot of special effects films. Uh, he was the one who directed films such as Honey I Shrunk the Kids, Jumanji, Jurassic Park Three, and he was the director of Captain America: The First Avenger. So that does kind of like put two and two together. And as you guys know, the effects were done by ILM, otherwise known as Industrial Light and Magic, which is uh, George Lucas's um, motion picture company where they do all the effects for Star Wars. And they do a lot of effects for um, other movies as well. But yeah, you can definitely tell that, um, you know, all of the effects were, you know, put into this film and they really wanted it to be like an epic superhero adventure. Well, at the same time, put it into the 1930s, which was trying to attempt of cashing in on the craze of trying to find the next Indiana Jones. So as you guys know, Indiana Jones and the last crusade came out a year prior, I think it was 1990 or 1989. And Disney was trying to find what would be the next Indiana Jones? And they thought that the Rocketeer was going to be their next big hit. And superhero movies were starting to become all the rage because of Tim Burton's Batman. So 
Unfortunately, it didn't work out uh, for The Rocketeer as there was plans to be a sequel, but because it didn't really make as much money compared to, um, say, all their other Disney properties, this was the beginning of their renaissance, as we discussed last time with The Rescuers Down Under, where they try to cash in on the popularity of the Crocodile Dundee movies. Um, I guess Disney, in attempts, was trying to, like, you know, push the boundaries of their live action stuff. So, yeah, you could definitely say that this would be like a prototype for the Marvel movies that would come out about 20 plus years later. Mm hmm. Well, you know, in regards to, um, you know, obviously the, the box office, that uh, obviously is the uh, reason why it's uh, obviously not uh, done as well. I mean, like, uh, it opened, unfortunately, uh, at the same time, there were some other movies that were opening at that time, like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, City Slickers, uh, Dying Young. I mean, uh, there was, uh, unfortunately, it was in, uh, it, it suffered the fate of uh, not only not just being like, uh, you know, not as well received, I think, by critics, but uh, I would say that uh, it was obviously, you know, shoved out by all the competition, too. So yeah, is. very similar to last time in which we talked about Rescuers Down Under came out around the same time as Home Alone. So yeah, we knew about what movie was going to make the most amount of money. And yeah, we even said the same thing about Matilda during the Roald Dahl retrospective in which it came out during a time in which there were a lot of other movies that people were looking forward to. So yeah, it just came out at the wrong time. Mm hmm. So, I mean, like, which is a bit of a shame, really, because, like, uh, I mean, I would say the story is pretty solid. I mean, like, uh, it's obviously, uh, you know, uh, an unlikely hero thrown into this situation where, obviously, then, you know, he obviously tries to, be, you know, be a bit of bite off more than he chews. And uh, then, obviously, he gets uh, mixed up in this whole, you know, uh, international situation of, like, Nazi spies and, uh, obviously, you know, just, uh, you know, obviously, uh, U.S. Um, you know, intelligence as well, like, uh, you know, trying to uh, each trying to one-up each other in regards to... Uh, and uh, Mind you, all of this as well, like we're talking about, is also kind of... Uh, it's also foreshadowed, pretty much, in uh, in the movie. So, you know, they talk about, like, you know, the Hindenburg, you know, going around, you know, America and uh, and things like that. And, obviously, you know, the um, yeah, there's obviously this kind of, like, this whole uh, build-up towards, like, you know, World War or two, you know, obviously, you know, kicking off, you know, you know, like a, a year before this movie takes place. So, like, uh, mm -hmm. so you know, like, uh, there, there's that as well. And uh, so, um, in regards to our movie, I mean, um, obviously, we have uh, starring in it is uh, Bill Campbell, and uh, he's obviously our uh, our, le our lead in this. And uh, you know, I think uh, it's a shame, really, because like, if the Rocketeer actually did really well, I could actually see him, like, you know, being like one of like you know the uh, the mainstays. I think of uh, of obviously the uh, you know the, the of a, a potential Rocketeer franchise. You know, yeah, like it, yeah. It, had the movie done much better, he definitely would have stuck around. It would have been Disney's equivalent of the Batman movies, in which when, you know, after Batman released, every other studio tried to be like, you know, spinning off into their own movie franchises. And unfortunately, um, not a lot of them really caught on. And I think that had the movie came out maybe a little bit later, or maybe like during the craze where, um, you know, Batman was you know, starting to become a lot more popular than I think that could have been the case because this movie was in developmental hell for a very long time. And there was a lot of disagreements between what the studios wanted and what the writers and creators wanted. So yeah, there was a lot of mix up as to how to present this movie properly. They were saying, okay, we can release it under Disney, but no, uh, maybe the kids would not uh, be into the Rocketeer because it does have a lot of references to the FBI and to the Nazis. So we're going to release it under Touchstone. So yeah, there was a lot of back and forth between the, you know, how the movie was going to be produced. And yeah, I think that had it been released, um, uh, 
not around the same time where a lot of other movies have been released. And yeah, we could have seen, you know, this uh, series of um, movies starring the Rocketeer. I mean, I think that alongside with, um, um, you know, maybe even the Disney Afternoon lineup where we had Gargoyles, which was trying to be like their take on Batman, the animated series, but in a different light. We could have seen a Rocketeer animated series, uh, but we had to wait <laughs> Uh, close to 30 years to see a Rocketeer animated series, and it's a Disney Junior animated series where it focuses on the Rocketeer's granddaughter. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously, you know, with Rocketeer, it's obviously something that uh, they just... Uh is it, is it like it's just in the Disney library, isn't it? Like it's uh, it's not like um, they don't bring it out for like any special occasion or anything like that, really, do they? So it's just it's, no. Uh, it, it it'll be right there with Condor Man as like a uh, you know the the craze of trying to do a superhero related property, but then it just gets shoved off and it's only there as like an Easter egg. And then uh, you know I guess because Marvel became such a massive hit, they don't have to worry about creating their own unique superheroes anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly, and obviously we're going to spoilers here, but uh, obviously our unlikely uh, villain in this movie, or maybe we should say likely villain, is uh, Tim Timothy Dalton of uh, James Bond fame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, he plays like the Errol Flynn character of this movie. So for those who don't know, Errol Flynn was a very well-known actor around the... 40s where he was known for his acrobatic skills I and mean, he was known for robin hood and sinbad and various other movies so yeah we have neville sinclair and he's this very dashing good looking man who wows the ladies and he does his own stunts and he presents himself very well and he starts having a you know he tries to pretend to have a crush on our lead lady jenny blake who's played by jennifer connelly and the reason why is because she is dating Cliff, who is the Rocketeer, and she's trying to, um, she, he wants to get like more, um, you know, connections with her to find out maybe where the rocket is. And she has absolutely no idea about this until a little bit later on. So there's this whole agenda going on between the two, where in reality, she thinks the reason why Neville is approaching her is because she wants to be a well-known actress and she, you know, Neville is like the biggest uh, star in all of Hollywood. And she's thinking that her dating, uh, going out with Neville Sinclair, uh, you know, in the, uh, over at the restaurant that she's able to get an opportunity to maybe become a big star. And she's has a little bit of a, uh, falling off with, um, with Cliff because, you know, he ruined her chances of being a star. She almost was really close to getting fired. And, uh, they said some pretty nasty things to each other earlier at the diner. So yeah, there's a bit of, um, there's a bit of a toss up between the three characters. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about the, you know, the, the, the Neville villain is that, uh, I mean, uh, here's the pro here's the, what I like about this. I love the setup of this villain. I think it's, uh, you know, it's obviously, you could play on the idea of, like, him being, like, you know, you can't really suspect that he's a villain, like, he's uh, the idea of, like, him being, like, the, the biggest, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Like, you know, he's, uh, he would be likelihood is in the, in the scenario that we are here in the, in like, in the 1930s, he'd be, like, you know, portrayed as, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, one of, like, you know, uh, one of the good guys, you know, he's, like, he, he's a British actor in Hollywood, and uh, he's, like, one of the allies and stuff like that, like, he's uh, gonna be, like, uh, no doubt he'll, like, do, like, um, you know, he'll be using like propaganda and things like that for like you know the uh, the the American court and you know the uh, the cause of the of uh, the uh, the Allied powers. But uh, you know the the darker side of it is is that he's actually you know a spy for the Nazis. 
And yeah. uh, he's yeah, he, and that's uh, he's trying to get hold of that um of that of that ro- you know of, of the rocket. You know, he's trying to get hold of the rocket here to uh, get also get the uh, secrets of how to uh, to do all this. And I mean, we'll get into like the whole like Nazi plot in a minute. But I just think I love the idea of like of the way that they set up this villain. I just think the execution is wrong. You know, the in, execution in the- is very wrong. Like, yeah. first of all, I guess we can just briefly go over the Nazi plan. So the whole plan is that he wants to find the rocket so that the Nazi soldiers can be able to fly across Europe and the entire world and take over. That doesn't work because they don't have any protection. They can easily be shot down by planes. So, no, it, it's stupid. It's well, really stupid. I, I would argue that, I mean, that particular point, I think, obviously, yeah, that, that in itself is an argument. But I just think that in regards to Timothy Dalton's, uh, you know, uh, character that he's playing, like, I would not have gone right off the bat to say that, you know, oh, hey, he's going to be the villain of our movie. Like, I would have, like, kept, like, his charming persona. I think you're not only just playing for, like, you know, for the characters to also be, you know, the characters in the movies before, but I think fooling the audience as well. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. like imagine, like, uh, you know, uh, remember, Lot, you know, Lot, you know, uh, Lotso from uh, from Toy Story, you know, Toy Story three. You know, like yeah. uh, the fact that uh, you know, oh, we thought he's like this, you know, this, uh, you know, wise old elderly, you know, kind of, you know, obviously very friendly, you know, uh, old toy. But then it turns out that he's actually got a dark past, you know, based on like a very cruel backstory and things like that. And so, yeah, I would have liked it maybe if they went. Again, I get this was made in 1991, so I guess they probably didn't have like that that side of foresight yet. But uh, you know, it would have been nice if like we were kept a bit in the dark about the fact that this guy is like after the 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 the, the rocket and maybe probably introduce that aspect into it. A Iran, and then obviously hit the whole audience like, oh my god, he's a Nazi. You know, like, uh, you know, he, he's basically you know collaborating with like you know the 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 the, the big enemy in the movie. But yeah. um, I think I just think that the fact that they kind of like uh, you know rushed it like within the first few minutes of the movie, I think, and the fact that uh, you know uh, not to say that the, uh, the 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 payoff of discovering that he's a spy is uh, not you know not effective in itself. But I just think it would have probably hit harder, I think, if they decided to kind of, like, play the character and, you know, um, and expose him, you know, a bit more slowly, if you will, and, uh, you know, and uh, maybe allow, like, more of his charming character to kind of get over with the audience, and then, bam, you know, like, uh, then you would have, like, a really shocking, you know, reveal at, at that time. You know? Yeah, I think that what they were trying to do, it definitely feels a little bit more like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, in which he just starts off as like this really charming and heroic guy who is well known as a hunter and he's beloved by the village. And then he approaches Belle saying, I love you, would you marry me? And then she says no. And then slowly he starts getting desperate, where he would do anything to get her, such as hire the... Um, the the mental ward to uh you know lock up her father into the insane asylum and then even to the point in which they got the mob so they can kill the beast so yeah i think that he his very presence is very gaston-esque also we have uh, jennifer conley playing jenny blake who is uh i guess our, our female lead in this mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately does fall foul of like you know the whole you know i don't know like she, they, they kind of play her off as like in some places like as the damsel in distress but then obviously she has like her own but you know, keep in mind she is the uh, the character who found out that you know uh, um obviously you know neville sinclair was you know the spy so mm-hmm. i mean she had her own kind of like uh, i'll compare her more to like uh, uh what's it ashley from uh, resident evil 4 where she like mm-hmm. you know she, she obviously she you know need needs help but at the same time like she can help herself you know when when need be 
you know so uh, yeah she she definitely plays into that cliche like a you know the 1930s damsel in distress where she gets the heroic guy to save her but yeah you're absolutely right that she does have her heroic moments as well and yeah this is one of jennifer connelly's earlier roles uh this was like right after she did movies such as once upon a time in america phenomena and labyrinth so um, it wouldn't be until a little bit later on where she would be really well known for her movies, such as A Beautiful Mind, The Day the Earth Stood Still, He's Just Not That Into You, and later on, uh, various others, such as Alita Battle Angel. So, yeah, she was still, you know, finding her stride. Mm. Yeah, I think maybe a better comparison would probably be, dare I say, Lois Lane from Superman. Maybe. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, we're talking about, like, early Superman, not, like, 19... I guess it's a, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of, like, early Lois Lane around the comics, and then, like, the Lois Lane uh, played by Margot Kidder in the 70s Superman movies. So it's kind of like a combination of both. Yeah. Well, thing that stands out to me is, like, the diner. Like, uh, I thought for, like, the 1930s, I thought the way that they designed it, I thought was a bit elaborate. And don't, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I know we're in a, in a, in a movie where, you know, there's a guy flying around a, in a giant rocket pack that's fueled by alcohol. Like, I, I get all of that. But, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like, the, the fact that they, um, the, that diner still, like, did they have, like, stuff that designed, you know, buildings designed that way? during that time <laughs> like uh, uh, i mean I, I know that they still had like large elaborate things uh i think that they did have like those large um uh you know figurines and statues to let people in i mean hollywood land was there i mean we'll talk about that later on in the movie so i don't know for like a simple diner especially since we were talking about like ha- you know at, like during the great depression so i don't know if they, they had the money to build something that elaborate i have no idea mm-hmm so um, obviously, you know they're um, they're obviously mucking around with this uh, this uh, this rocket back, and obviously it gets a whole lot of media attention, a whole lot of media attention, and uh, yeah. So then that catches the eye of uh, the uh, obviously the U.S. intelligence services, and also the uh, the original company that created the uh, the rocket, and uh, yeah. So um, and then the, he, uh, I love the uh, when they decided like, oh hey, this needs more control, so they actually built like a, a helmet out of a toaster. Like yeah. uh, that, that, that bit was pretty hilarious, but uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. So uh, and- yeah, I really like the chemistry between Billy Campbell and Alan Arkin. I mean, they just have like this really nice chemistry with each other, where they're trying to, um, you know, uh, prevent people from finding out that they actually have the rocket, and so they have like people such as the police after them, and they they did everything from like shooting down their own home and. Um, you know, trying everything that they can to, you know, prevent people from finding out that they have the rocket. I mean, they even have um, this scene in which when, um, you know, you have like the mafia coming in and trying to threaten the diner uh, from, you know, uh, you know, releasing the information about where the rocket is. Otherwise, they'll shoot down everybody or, you know, destroy the whole place. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I like about this movie, like the, the amount of danger that there's around, like, you know, like uh, the danger of being caught as being like the guy who's like behind the, you know, the rocket air mouse, the guy, you know, being caught by the mafia because obviously they're after the rocket too. And then obviously there's, uh, you know, the, 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 the looming threat of like, you know, the Nazis and like, there's the, there's all like all this other danger that's around it. Like it's a very, it's, it's a very adventurous movie at least. You know, which I think, yeah. uh, I don't know if, uh, I mean, um, whether it, I mean, I would, here's the thing, like, I don't know whether to, I don't know where to fall on side of whether it actually took advantage of all the elements of it or not. Because I think it did, because obviously it showed how threatening these gang- threatening these gangsters could be. It showed how threatening our main villain could be, and uh, obviously there's uh, the whole you know uh, threat of like you know keeping you know the secret identity of the Rocketeer a secret. So um, I don't know, like, uh, would you say it took advantage of everything? 
Absolutely, oh. considering the fact that it was a Disney movie, and they, and you know how Disney is when it comes to censoring their stuff. So, yeah, I think that the, I, I, now here's the thing: we have not read the original comics uh, written by. Uh, I think his name is Dave Stevens. So we don't know how it compares to the movie. Yeah. But, but we yes, can always I, fall back on the argument like, you know, the original movie should, you know, sorry, the, the movie itself should obviously be self-containing and obviously be entertaining regardless of whether you fell on the, uh, the back, the back, the back story or not, you know? Right. Right. So. But regardless, uh, yes, I think that they did all that they could to really make this movie stand out. They put everything into uh, presenting this movie as like they they want they really wanted this to be a huge franchise. They really wanted it to be the next Indiana Jones, but you know superhero related. They really wanted people to gravitate towards the universe and the characters and the superheroes and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think that they did everything that they could. Indeed. So, um, I mean, looking at our, uh, I mean, there's trying to look at who else kind of like stands out in our cast of characters, really, because, uh, you know, Billy Campbell, obviously, Jellyfer Connolly, obviously, uh, Alan Arkin, and obviously Timothy Dalton, but, uh, I mean, like, uh, Terry O'Quinn. Um, yeah, he, he, I, I really liked him as Howard Hughes. He did a really good Howard Hughes, uh, very uh, overconfident, uh, very uh, standoffish, um, you know, definitely akin to what the real Howard Hughes was, where, you know, he was very well known for being this huge entrepreneur and he was an engineer and a philanthropist he he was very well known for doing this kind of thing and um and you know a lot of people also know that he was a bit on the obsessive compulsive uh, to the point to which he actually did wear um what is it tissue boxes on his feet so yeah i i think i would um, recommend that you go look up the guy or um there was actually a movie about him uh that um uh, Martin Scorsese did a few years ago, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, where you get to, um, uh, you know, the aviator, that's what it's called. So, yeah, look more into him if you want to know about uh, who Howard Hughes was. Mm-hmm. And also where uh, we had uh, Ed Lauter, who, uh, who's uh, sadly passed away from uh, in 2013, but uh, he uh, graced us with Fitch as uh, one of the gangsters. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And uh, Paul Sorvino, who is the leader of the, uh, the mafia, uh, he played as Eddie Valentine. Uh, so yeah, once again, uh, we have um, uh, another guy from uh, played by Paul Servino that I think we do- was discussed about a while ago. But yeah, you may know him for Law and Order and Goodfellas. Uh, yeah, he's played a lot of uh, movies based off of the mafia. Yeah, so, and uh, he was in uh, Nixon and Romeo and Juliet too. So uh, yeah, and, uh, also that, 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 and also had uh, I think he had a recurring role in Law and Order. I think as Sergeant Filk. Uh, Satara, uh, I think. Uh, yes, he did. He was okay then. So, so yeah, like uh, you know, uh, yeah, Disney definitely tried to tried to go to town with it. I mean, like uh, they they put in an all, they put in an all star cast, in my opinion, and uh, they put in like uh, the, you know the, the, the obviously the uh, the effects were on the screen, uh, the narrative I think is great. I mean, obviously it gives us a very you know a very intimidating villain. And, uh, you know, maybe that's probably, maybe you're probably right in regards to, like, you know, comparing it to trying to find the next Indiana Jones, because, you know, in Indiana Jones, he was fighting Nazis, so uh, <laughs> let's find someone else to fight Nazis, and who <laughs> better to fight Nazis, you know, than... Uh, yeah, you know, and, and it takes place around the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I guess they, they really try to find the next Indiana Jones with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we think of the soundtrack? Because uh, I can't really remember most of the music in this movie. Really, which is a shame because it's done by James Horner, and I love James Horner. He is the guy who had worked with a lot of uh, directors, such as Don Bluth and James Cameron, Ron Howard. Uh, he has done some of the best music um, in terms of um, you know all the the films that he would be in. I mean, we're talking about 
you know, The Land Before Time, American Tale, Titanic, Terminator, um, Apollo 13, Field of Dreams, uh, A Beautiful Mind. We're talking about like, you know, that James Horner. And, you know, I, I guess it does fit with the theme, you know, going 1930s heroic, but I don't really remember too much of the soundtrack. Yeah, and uh, Melora Hardin, who's obviously who's been in uh, things like things that people might remember from, like you know, uh, Thank You for Not Smoking and uh, Hannah Montana the movie, and it's kind of like those kind of like odd, you know, odd things. I think and obviously they uh, she plays in that too, and uh, in regards to uh, you know the soundtrack. But uh, besides that, I mean, like, and yet it's a James Horner one. It's still, yeah, I obviously can't remember all that too much about it, unfortunately. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, or, I mean, one thing I would say, uh, I mean, obviously going towards the, uh, the, the end of the movie, I mean, like, uh, it gets to the point in the story where, I mean, do you believe that, you know, these, uh, these hard gangsters would, uh, obviously, you know, consider their, you know, American patriotism over, like, you know, doing business? I mean, like, uh, uh well, it, it was the thirties and we have to understand that, you know, it's been 20 years since World War One, and, um, you know, they had to fight off against the Europeans and, you know, preventing them to, you know, from taking over pretty much everything. So I'm sure that they yeah. still had their strong patriotism. And this would be at least a, a few more years until World War Two would be affecting the Americans. I mean, if it's 1939, then the war had technically already started with Europe, but Americans wouldn't get into it until 1941, where we had the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor. So yeah. yes, I can I can imagine that there was this strong patriotism, even for the mafia at least. Maybe, but uh, I don't know. It, it just felt, in a way, it just kind of felt like it felt kind of forced in a way. Like it kind of reminded me of like uh, remember when remember when you know after Spider Man after you know after nine eleven, obviously there was like this huge kind of like Americanism that was kind of like uh, you know pumped into it, which uh, obviously was a natural reaction at the time. But uh, you know when you look back at it now, it's kind of like eh, you know it's like it's. Uh, yeah, you can tell it's a, you can tell that the uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies are products of their time, really. You know, yeah, you know. they are. I mean, when you hear things like "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us," it's like, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, especially with the way that America is being seen now compared to the when it was back then, it's like this whole strong American patriotism is a little bit awkward. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but so besides that, I think um, I can't think of anything else really to say about The Rocketeer, which... Uh, All right, then. So let's see what the critics had to say about this movie. Uh, let's go over to uh, starting mm -hmm. off with... Uh, R.L. Schaffer, who says, A charming adventure tale in the spirit of 1930 serials. The Rocketeer is a fun ride, 8 out of 10. Uh, this, uh, okay, this article from Variety that says, This $40 million adventure fantasy puts a shiny polish on familiar elements. Airborne hero, damsel in distress, Nazi villains, 1930s Hollywood glamour, and dazzling special effects. And then there were some people who didn't like it. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum, who said, The whole thing is a good-natured, is good-natured enough, but increasingly mechanical. Owen Gleberman from Entertainment Weekly says, a piece of blandly enthusiastic B-movie pulp. C. And then finally, we have uh, Nick uh, Shagger uh, from Lessons of Darkness, who says, almost never takes thrilling flight. C. Well, uh, you missed that one guy who's, uh, you know, the man himself. Do you know who that is? Oh, that's right. Uh, Roger yeah, Ebert. Uh, 
Yeah, Roger Ebert. So yeah. uh, let me see. If, uh, well, I've got it right here. Yeah, I do. So he basically he described it as a charmingly direct uh, as those uh, rockets uh, from the Flash Gordon serial. So one of the uh, sparkler items hidden hidden inside of them, which were pulled uh, on wires uh, in front of uh, paper mache mountains. So like, uh, yeah, he says so he said noticing the homages to the film serials of the 1930s and 1950s. So he seems to have mm-hmm. enjoyed it. So yeah. I can imagine somebody like Roger Ebert would enjoy it. So yeah, currently the Rocketeer is 66% on Rotten Tomatoes and um, the audience score is 65%. Yeah, which uh, I think obviously kind of puts it into, uh, you know, uh, pretty uh, pretty comfortable Crystal Skull territory, I think I would say. So, yeah, uh, very yeah. much so. But anyway, what do we think? So, I mean, here's the thing about this. Like, uh, I think the casting is right. I think uh, the um, I-, I like the way that it looks. I like the way that it plays out and uh, it definitely has that wonderful Disney feel to it and uh, I do like how like it all wraps up in the end even though we never got a sequel to this movie for obvious reasons but uh, I mean uh, I would say I'd still give it a comfortable 8 at least you know yeah I would give it a comfortable 8 too there were some things that hold it back a little bit such as the motivation of the villains and the soundtrack being kind of forgettable even I don't even remember a lot of the characters to be quite honest I mean I just remember the main characters but I don't really remember the side characters as much but yeah it's a very solid movie it has uh, great action great adventure uh, I like the character dynamics I like the 1930s setting so yeah there's a lot of things that went right for it and it's a shame that it didn't really catch on when it came out in 1991 but I'm glad that Joe Johnston did get another chance 20 years later when he did Captain America the First Avenger which I personally feel that he took the elements of the Rocketeer and made it better mm-hmm. where the, the 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 backstory of Steve Rogers is way better because we actually do get to follow him on his patriotism and him wanting to do the experiment so that he can be able to become Captain America that we know of today. The villain is very interesting. Red Skull's a great villain. It would lead over to Hydra. Uh, the the 1940s uh, set pieces are really well done. Uh, of course, there were some things that they had to like modernize it, like the fact that they actually did integrate like African-Americans in there, even though I think at that point it would have not been shown because they would have been in their own separate division. But other than that, uh, yeah, I think that um, if you want to see a true testament of Joe Johnston's um, superhero uh, presentation, then Captain America the First Avenger would probably be where I would go to first as opposed to The Rocketeer. Not to say that The Rocketeer was bad. It's definitely a prototype of the Marvel movies that would come out a little bit later where it has like the great characters and the setup and um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I really wish that uh, The Rocketeer would get another chance, but I think that the only thing that we are going to get is that Disney junior animated series which it's actually funny because apparently when that was first announced and they were going to announce that um you know there's going to be a new rocketeer in the form of cliff's granddaughter or something who was like a seven-year-old and she's a rocketeer now everybody got so pissed off saying that's not my rocketeer and i'm like dude did you actually see this movie in theaters like like you, you, I mean, you only knew about this movie like a few years ago, and now you're getting angry about it. Just like, come on, don't, don't do that. Well, if you're angry about that now, imagine what you're gonna feel like when we hear the box office numbers. You know. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah, so, um, I mean, in regards to like uh, a sequel, I mean, obviously, for since 2008, it had been talked about. In regards to that, I mean, yeah. the, the original idea for the Rocketeer was it to be part of like one movie of like a trilogy. So unfortunately, he suffered an error gone and decided, like you know, he fell far, far foul on the first movie. 
So yeah, and, 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 and I don't know. Like, even if they did have a chance to uh, do a trilogy, I mean, like, could we say that the next two movies was going to be better than the first one? I guess it depends because once again, we don't know what the comics would have, uh, you know, stated in their storyline. But uh, maybe there could have been like more opportunities to branch out. Like the Indiana Jones movies were able to branch out with their stories. Like, you know, we had Indy not only facing with the Nazis, but also facing with a native tribe and all that kind of stuff, trying to find the Holy Grail. And maybe they would have played some more things with the Rocketeer. Like maybe if it would have taken place like around the 50s, maybe we could have had a communist uh, spy or something. Thing. Or if we wanted to have a um, Captain America situation in which when uh, Cliff, you know, maybe he joined the U.S. Army and helped, um, you know, fight the Nazis in World War II. So well, likely it is, he probably would have done. So like, uh, yeah, yeah. So there would have been. So I reckon the second movie probably would have taken place during the war. Or maybe the third movie would have been kind of like uh, I don't know, like uh, him like putting like putting the you know the the, the ro- you know the rocket back away, but then having to get it out again for like one last attempt to do something. Yeah, know. like maybe during the Cold War or something, or the Korean War could have been a possibility, or maybe the Vietnam War. Like if he, like if, if maybe we could have been like a uh, Crystal Skull moment in which like we have an old Cliff, and you know he has to put on the rocket one more time, and you know has to help uh, the the Americans at Vietnam or, or Korea to you know fight off uh, against uh, whatever battles that they were happening. So yeah, I mean we could have seen more possibilities with it. Maybe. Okay, everybody. Well, that's the Rockets here, and so we'll we'll let you know when the next one's going to be coming out. But until then, my name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. Take care, and bye-bye for now. See you later.